Yeah, um, my name is Tim Leandro, and I was uh, the director on the two episodes that you want to talk about. Did I get involved in, in London's burning? Um, I think it was just a matter of my agent at the time um, arranged it, and I went along and shot it. It was as simple as that. It was, yeah, it was quite simple from my end. I mean, the main thing I remember about the two episodes was the 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 shout, the the action sequence. Um, I haven't seen it for years, but I mean, it was it was big. It, it was one of the biggest sort of action sequences I'd shot at the time. I, I've shot a lot more subsequently, um, but it's still a big sequence. It's, it's big by pretty much uh, any standards. Um, we we built a, um, a 50 meter long S-shaped dual carriageway in a tunnel on a fire stage, filled it with vehicles and sort of set fire to them all and blew them all up. And, and you know, that was uh, quite a thing. And then we built the exterior of the tunnel um, on the old Woolwich Arsenal site. Um, and blew that up as well. So you know th that was that was a lot of fun. I have to say, doing doing those things, it was it was you know um, you know boys and their toys and all of that. Um, that said, um, um, Heather Pierce, Pierce, you know, did her bit, uh, and and then later on, um, she went on to. I worked with her again on ultimate force so she was very much a, an action action woman and she could hold her own with the guys you know very effectively it, it, it was a two-parter so it was basically one story um so i mean the thing that i most vividly remember is is the shout uh, there were other bits and pieces in it there was a, a, a funny sequence with a when they turned up and found what was supposed to be some kind of emergency and, and it was a toy boat in a lake. Um, I mean, it was just, it was, it was fun, you know, kind of traveling around in fire engines and, you know, it, it was just lots of fun to do the show. That was, that was the main thing I remember actually. It was quite, it was an enjoyable experience. The stories, the individual storylines um, kind of disappear into the mists of history. I, I, I think um, Sally, Heather Pierce's character, had a had a nasty stalker uh, or rape, rapist who she was um, having to fight off. Um, but but that was sort of a the B story in that episode. The main story was this this big shout that had a a milk tanker that was actually full of petrol. And, uh, and, you know, that had to be put out and you know, yeah, lots of interesting things in the show, I have to say. I, I'm, when it came to the script, my main interactions were with he, um, Emma Kingsman Lloyd, who was the script editor uh, on the show. She's now a producer. Um, and, um, and, the producer of the show was uh, Angus Towler. Of course, Angus, lovely Angus was the producer. 
um, who was also very involved um, in scripting. So when it came to the scripts, um, they were really the people that I was engaging with rather than directly engaging with the writers. There, there, there was um, a company that supplied all the, the fire kit um, and you know the, the fire appliances and all the rest of it and the technical advice. Um, and they were excellent. And they, they were all, you know, real um, fire officers. Um, the, 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 the main guy was uh, Roger Kendall. Um, you might have heard of, I don't know if you, if, you, if you, yeah. So, I mean, he's fabulous. And, you know, there's nothing that he doesn't know about the world of, of um, you know, the, the fire service. And so, yeah, I mean, they, they were magnificent people and, uh, and a joy to work with, frankly. I remember that. And I subsequently worked with uh, Roger on, on other productions. As I recall, he worked, he was on The Golden Hour, which I also did for ITV. Um, well, it was a combination of both. The, the interior of the station well, the, the, yeah, it, that that was an existent existing station that we used that we'd shot on, and there was an arrangement of the fire brigade there. Um, in um, oh my god, in uh, Leighton, um, uh, and so you know that's real. Uh, some of the interiors of the characters were built at Three Mill Studios. Um, the the exterior of the pub was a real place. So, um, so the, the Oliver Twist, I think it was called, the, the exterior geography between the Oliver Twist and the fire station was actually real. So the, the, it was literally across the road from uh, the fire station. But when you went inside the Oliver Twist, uh, you then went onto a set that was shot, also shot, I believe, at Three Mills. So we used interiors, some interior sets at Three Mills. We used some real locations, and then all the um, episode locations, as it were, the, the special locations were on location. Uh, but sometimes they were built, like as I was describing, the 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 entire tunnel for the shout was constructed at two different places. So the interior and the exterior were at different places. Um, it was uh, uh, a pretty standard shooting block, as, as I recall. So it would have been an ITV hour per episode. So they'd have, they'd have given us a couple of weeks per episode, a four-week shooting block. It would have been for the two episodes. I, I can't remember specifically. Um, there may have been some, you know, movement on that but it would have been around that 10 days per episode um i think or it may have been, they it may have been 11 day fortnights which would have given us 12 days for the episodes um i mean it it, it was a complex production number i remember that so uh, it was you know, it was pretty pressured. And I, and I recall there was a day actually inside the, the Oliver Twist um, 
where they had their kind of warm down after the shout. And it was a long scene. It was seven pages um, uh, to shoot and, and I'd run out of time effectively. And I shot the seven pages with essentially two developing shots on Steadicam and um, with a, a few cutaways to knit it together. And that, that was how I kind of hoovered it up very quickly, which is quite an un unconventional way to do that sort of thing. But it was either that or, or not get it. And actually, the result was was pretty effective. It had a nice dynamic to it because of these these lovely moving shots. So, yeah, that, that was... It, I mean... It was probably by today's standards relatively comfortable in terms of shooting time, but it was it was still tight. The, the, the shout was, as I say, very ambitious and highly technical. Um, I have no, I, I never met them, so I have no personal stories to tell you. I mean, they're, they're, they're legends in the industry. And, uh, you know, I have huge respect for, for what they've done. Um, and, you know, London's Burning is a landmark show and, and, and it was a privilege to work on it. Um, but, you know, other than that, I really can't tell you um, anything about them personally as individuals, or, you know, I'm afraid. I don't know, to be honest. Uh, I mean, the... the I mean, it gets a bit technical, but I mean, the, the, the television drama landscape has changed radically um, since those days. Um, and broadly speaking, there aren't as many um, what you might call uniform shows on TV today as there used to be. You know, the medical dramas, the police dramas, the fire dramas and so on. Um, you know, occasionally they, they do come up, um, but, you know, things have, have moved on a lot and the way people watch TV is different with all the streamers and the audiences are different. So, um, you know, it, it, it's difficult to see in the, in the present landscape uh, a, a production like London's Burning uh, in emerging, you know, in the foreseeable future. But, you know, things change quite quickly and you never know where we'll be in uh, a few years' time. Thing, things could, could change again. Um, so, you know, I know that, I mean, it, you know, there are, there are people who really love these shows. I mean, it's not just London's Burning. I also worked on The Bill and I know that there's a, you know, a lot of people who really want to see the bill come back, and there's even talk of that happening. Um, how serious that is, it's very difficult to know. Um, so it, it, it's it, it's a tricky one, and and it's finding a, an angle that would work in in the modern world. And so, you know, the police drama of the moment that people think about is Line of Duty, which is quite different in tone to. The Bill or Z Cars or, or, you know, Holby Blue or, you know, these sorts of shows, City Central. It, it's much more, um, for want of a word, subversive, I suppose. It, it's sort of left field and, and it's dealing with very dark issues. 
Um, and a lot of these shows were, were quite determinedly um, aimed at, you know, what was called the family audience. Well, that's kind of been splintered by the streamers and the fact that, you know, everybody watches TV in their own rooms uh, rather than sits down as a family and watches television. Um, and that really changes the way that commissioners look at their audience and, and conceive product. Uh, the idea of making a show that, that an entire family will sit down and watch together is, you know, it's, it's less of a thing. And, and that was the audience, really, that London Burning, London's Burning was made for. Um, you know, today the, 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 the teenagers will watch something, you know, their thing, in their own room, and the parents won't know what they're what they're watching, uh, and and similarly, you know, the, the the parents might be watching who knows what, you know, Midsummer Murders, which is fine, but the kids don't want to watch that, um, and so on. So it, I, I think a return of London's Burning might be a, it would be a surprise, I think, in in the present situation, but who knows. Um, it's the only time I worked with him, uh, and my my recollection is that he was a, a thoroughly nice guy, very professional, you know, uh, and utterly dependable. Um, I, you know, that, that that's my main recollection uh, of him. Funny thing about uniform shows: um, often when actors put on the uniform, it kind of informs their personality. It's not just the character they're playing. And if you're playing an authority figure in a uniform, um, that kind of um, becomes who you are in the workplace. Um, and, and I think that that was, you know, true, quite true of Edward, um, you know, but, you know, very good, very professional, solid guy. I mean, they were all lovely, I have to say. I, you know, I, there was... I certainly don't have anything bad to say about any of them. Um, the, you know, they, they were professional, hardworking. Um, they enjoyed themselves. Um, you know, we, we had that kind of uh, vibe on the set where it was fun, but it was serious fun. And, you know, when people had to focus, they had to focus. Um, and, you know, they, they, they were all, you know, there was... <clears throat> There were none of the cast really who I wouldn't be happy uh, to work with again. In fact, several of them I have worked with again, and and so, so well, at least one of them is still a, a, a friend of mine, uh, Sam Callis. You know, we're mates. Um, so, you know, and I've worked with Sam a few times, um, and uh, and I've worked with Heather Peace a few times. Um, you know, there, there were there were a few of them who were, you know, good people who you see kind of, they, they come around, they cycle around and you see them in casting sessions and occasionally get the opportunity to work with them again, which is, which is nice. In fact, I recently worked with Ross Boatman, who I didn't work with in this ep episode, in these episodes, but he's now in EastEnders and I shot EastEnders last, last year and, and he was in my episode, so that was nice. One thing about the casting, since we're talking about casting, one piece of casting that I'm very proud of for this episode, um, because um, 
you know, it was a piece of casting that I did as opposed to the, the regular cast. I cast Idris Elba in this episode. <clears throat> um, and that was before he did The Wire. Um, and he turned up and he was just sensational. It was obvious to me in the casting session that he was brilliant. Um, and he, it, was, it became evident to the principal cast who had to work with him that he was brilliant. So even then, before The Wire, we sort of knew that this guy had something that, you know, it, and, and it was, totally didn't surprise me in the slightest when he became a star because he, when he was the, the finished article then. Um, it, he was, you know, pretty impressive to, to work with. So that was a, a privilege um, that I still remember. Um, I mean, the main thing I remember were, were the technicalities. It, it was, it's a highly technical um, thing to shoot. I mean, the, the great thing about those these days, if you were going to do such thing, there would be VFX all over it. It would all be done in post-production. In those days, what you see on, in the show is what you get. We did all that. It's, it's not been done afterwards. It's been filmed on location in the camera. There, there's little or no post-production work uh, on that. I think Nigel Cattle, the brilliant editor who worked on it, uh, who I ended up also, it was the first time I worked with him, and we ended up doing lots of things together because he's fantastic. Um, I think he painted in a couple of headlamps on cars in the tunnel. I mean, that was the, the totality of the CGI work that was done on that. So, you know, when you see uh, explosions and vans falling over, for instance, that was done for real. You, we had a hydraulic ram in the, in the van and it was fired on cue and the van falls over, um, you know, and so on. So um, it, there's, I think there was one uh, mat shot when the, the, there's an explosion and the, and the team sort of fly towards the camera. I think I shot that against a green screen. That is a composite shot, but literally the rest of it is, was done for real. Um, which again is great because I think, you know, you wouldn't have the opportunity to do that today it would all be green screen and done in post. And, you know, where's the fun in that is, is my view. You know, it's much better to do it for real. And frankly, it looks better on camera. I, I agree with Tom Cruise in that respect. Stunts are done in the camera are always better than mocked up in post because you don't really fool anybody. People just look at it and go, ah, special effects. And it kind of takes you out of the story, um, but if you if you if it if you actually do it in front of the camera, that's much more engaging and involving for the audience, in my opinion. Any other memories? I mean, there's there's lots, but I mean, a lot of it is to do with um, behind the scenes stuff and the 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 technicalities and how we worked out what we were going to do uh, in the tunnel. You know, there was, there was, we, I remember the, um, I think it was the third AD was, or was it the second was sent out to buy toy cars? Uh, 
and I drew out the S-shaped um, uh, dual carriageway on a big sheet of paper, and we put the the, the, the the toy vehicles in there so that everybody could see. And I remember sitting around the table with the first AD and the cinematographer deciding on the setups. Um, I remember things like putting cameras, shoot, shooting on film, uh, of course, and, and that's lovely. I mean, you're, you're putting cameras into, into safe boxes so that they could be placed close to explosions so that when things blew up and things started flying around, that the camera would be protected. I mean, little things like that just stick in the mind. Um, and, and the other thing that is important about that show is in fact that it was shot on film. The, the next series was the final series, which I didn't work on when I believe they went to tape, Digibeta. And the problem with tape, of course, it's, it's not as bad now with, with digital media, which can do lots of things. But in those days, tape couldn't handle the, um, the, the, the exposure difference uh, uh, of flame. And basically, flames became white on, on tape. Um, which, you know, you don't want. So it, since we had all this flame and all the rest of it, it was vital that we shot on film in order to get the full range of, of exposure in order to be able to see the, the colours of the flames plus the actors in the, in the same shot and everything being exposed correctly. Um, you know, things like that. These, are, these don't, matters like this don't, matter to the audience in the slightest but to filmmakers they matter greatly you know it, it matters to us that that the that you have images that tell the story in the way you want them to be told and certainly capturing flame um was a huge issue for for that show um so yeah th those are the sorts of things that I remember. I'm not sure if that interests anybody other than me, um, uh, but yeah, it's that kind of thing. Um, I teach now, I teach at uh, York University uh, where I'm a senior lecturer in directing for film and television. Um, I still occasionally um, direct when the opportunity arises, usually in a summer holiday. So last year I did EastEnders as I, as I mentioned to you, and I, I've just worked on a um, uh, exact, really produced a short film uh, called um, Tomorrow, uh, uh, um, which is directed by uh, Georgie Bisley, and um, it was uh, oh, let me just yeah, it stars Tyler Cunningham and Chan Woo Lim, who people might know from Holby. Um, and so that was shot ooh, just a couple of weeks ago, actually. And so it's presently uh, in the edit. So, you know, I, I keep my hand in when I can. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to be shooting anything for television this summer, but well, you, know, you never know. But generally, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of more of an academic these days than an, uh, you know, active um, career filmmaker or television director. You're very welcome. Thank you for um, having me.